Hello and welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Clay. And I'm Sarah. We're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. Since it's our first episode, we thought we would give you a uh, little information about who we are and why we decided to start a podcast. Uh, I'm Clay. I have a degree in journalism, and I've always been very interested in mysteries, especially unsolved mysteries, um, and not just unsolved murder mysteries, but all sorts of mysteries throughout uh, history of humans, um, and finding out uh, as much as I possibly can. But I, I, I've always found um, it not just interesting what we know, but also all the things that we don't. Um, that, that, that's a part of history that I enjoy a whole, whole lot. Um, for me, it's, I've kind of always been into history just by default. My mom had, uh, a bachelor's in history. And so growing up, you know, we would travel, she would always want to go to museums and historical sites. And she, of course, was the sort of person that was like, I have to stop and read every single plaque in this place. And it drove me crazy as a kid, but now as an adult, I've got to read every single plaque. I want to go to all the historical sites. A lot of my interest in history is more like specific people who are really interesting, not so much mysteries, because I'm a very curious person and I cannot stand to not have an answer to something. So that's my stories are more going to be like, here's this, you know, this specific person in history and everything I know about them. As I've gotten older, um, I like to learn new things and hear about the people that I haven't heard about. And just the things that we were never taught in school, like names that I've never heard before, but they had a huge cultural impact. And through this podcast, we are going to be alternating. So one week, I will share a interesting, uh, usually a mystery or something with a mysterious edge that uh, I found interesting that I want to tell Sarah about. And then the next week, Sarah will tell me something interesting that she has learned from history, usually uh, an event or a specific person, and we'll be alternating here and there. Uh, but this week is my week. Uh, I'm going to be starting things off, and I have a very interesting story that I want to tell Sarah and all of you. On September 23, 2009, a helicopter landed on the G4S Cash Service Depot building in Vesperå in southern Stockholm, Sweden. This building was the building that held the city's cash reserves for ATMs. Now, this helicopter had been stolen earlier, and when it arrived at the cash depot, four robbers exited and broke through the reinforced glass skylight with sledgehammers and descended on ropes. Ooh. Machine gun fire and explosions were heard inside, although nobody was physically harmed and the explosions were only used to gain access inside the vault. The robbers then went straight to work with buzz saws to break into the cages containing all of the cash. They filled bags full of cash, and most of this was captured by camera uh, on the roof and in the, uh, in the vault. They went back the way they came, through the window on the roof, and back into the helicopter to make their escape. Yeah, that's right. All right. Now, you may be thinking, well, where were the police? <laughs> yes. Well, they knew of the attack immediately, the police did. But the thieves had thwarted the cops before the robbery had even started. Hmm. At the nearby police helicopter base, uh, where the thieves had stolen the helicopter <laughs> they used, 
uh, they had an ingenious plan mm-hmm. to stop other helicopters from being uh, swarmed. What they did was uh, at, they left a bag at the entrance of the hangar with the word bomb written <laughs> on it. That'll do it. Yeah. So nobody wanted to risk uh, going inside Uh huh. just in case. You never know. Meanwhile, police cars were unable to get to the building as well because caltrops had been placed on the surrounding roads. Now, what is that? A caltrop is a, it's like a metal tack. Ah, uh, okay. No matter how it sits on the ground, there's always a pointy bits uh, sticking up. So kind of like jacks. A jacks is a great way to describe it. Yes. Okay. Like a jack. It's intended to pierce the tires and stop any vehicle from getting too far. Gotcha. So those were placed on the, on the surrounding roads. And by the time the police were able to scramble helicopters and clear the roads to get in, the thieves were gone. <laughs> so the robbery let, took less than 30 minutes before they had dis- disappeared and they were not seen again for a few days. Ah. The helicopter was found north of Stockholm in the woods. And some of the thieves uh, were caught trying to flee the country. And they, they were found pretty quickly. And all seven were arrested and sentenced for their roles in the robbery. However, two thieves were never found. Oh. And it's believed that most of the money stolen has never been recovered. Because Sweden has never publicly confirmed how much was stolen in the first place. <laughs> huh. Estimates range from about $5 million, uh, U.S. dollar equivalent to upwards of $100 million usd equivalent so those two guys were living the high life well we don't know perhaps it's difficult to tell Um, but it is possible that now that all the sentences have been served at this point everyone arrested is back in the public oh um, those two they could have been holding hundreds of millions of dollars right just waiting for those guys to get out of prison and pick up their fair share i feel like as a criminal that's probably not the move i would make but, uh, you know, good for them if that's what they did. Well, sometimes there is honor among thieves. Yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes. So and now we don't know the amount stolen, as mm-hmm. I said, but we do know that Stockholm issued a warning after the robbery that ATMs were at risk of running out of money. Oh, my God. So the robbery was significant enough to cause a disruption to the normal banking functions of the capital city of Sweden. Oh, my God. What a nightmare. Basically, that, now that's a pretty amazing story, right? No kidding. An amazing high story. When I first heard that, I thought it was the most amazing story I'd ever heard. Right. It's got everything. It's got helicopters and caltrops and <laughs> fake bombs, bombs and, and machine guns and everything. Even though nobody was killed, it's 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 a, it's fantastic. And let alone untold millions. Something about the phrase untold millions is very exciting. Oh, yes. Um, I wanted to share with it with you first because it's a Although it is a thrilling story, it's not the main story I wanted to tell you. Oh. Because while the, the helicopter robbery is thrilling and exciting, there is another heist that I learned about right after that is even better. It has a more, even more mystery surrounding it. Ooh. And it's called the heist of the century. You can't top that. You can't top the heist of the century. No, it can't be done. Okay. Not till the next century. <laughs> All right. So uh, Antwerp diamond district in antwerp belgium sees 85 percent of the world's rough diamonds pass through annually Hmm. and turnover in 2011 amounted to 56 billion dollars oh my god the market employs 8,000 people and 26,000 indirectly as insurers bankers 
security guards, drivers, things like that. Jeez. This district has its own armed uh, police force, 24-7 video surveillance, and vehicle barriers that can shut down the entire three-block area. Whoa. Making it one of the most secure buildings in the entire world. Yeah, no kidding. And under these buildings, two floors down, is a high-secure vault containing hundreds of millions of dollars worth of diamonds in security boxes for the district, uh, the, the many districts' um, diamond merchants. They all keep their diamonds in this one vault. Mm, I don't know if that's such a good idea, but okay. Well, it's it's a very secure vault, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how. <laughs> it's not just a door with a lock. I would hope. The vault itself is monitored by a camera and features several layers of security, um, a lock with a 100 million possible combinations. Oh, my. A special key lock, a three-ton steel door that would take hours to drill through, and even if someone were crazy enough to try to drill through this door, it has seismic sensors that sense vibrations and would set off an alarm, and a magnetic sensor that activates when the do- when the door is opened also. Next, there is a steel grate door that requires another key to open. Hmm. And finally, inside the vault itself, there is an infrared heat detector to detect human heat inside the vault, a motion detector, a light sensor, and another security camera, all of which will trigger an alarm when activated. Wow. So needless to say, breaking into this district and specifically this vault and getting out seems impossible. No kidding. But it happened. Hmm. And without a security guard being killed, tied up, or even a robber being seen at all. What the world? That's right. Now let me tell you about it. (laughs) It all started 18 months prior. Leonardo Notobartolo rented an office in the Diamond District uh, for $700 per month, posing as an Italian diamond merchant in order to gain credibility. Hmm. This allowed him access into the diamond district and, more importantly, access into the vault to store his own diamonds. Wow. During this time, he conducted surveillance of the interior of the diamond district and the vault using camera pins and a small hidden camera right above the vault door that hmm. would observe the guards using the combination lock. Oh, my God. Which is very useful. No kidding. The camera would broadcast to a, uh, a sensor hidden inside a fire extinguisher located in a nearby storage room. <laughs> and here's a fun fact. The extinguisher was fully functional. <laughs> in the unfortunate event that the building actually caught fire, their ruse would remain a secret. So it's just, it's the Barbasol can from Jurassic Park. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. So using the information they gathered from Leonardo's film trips into the vault, the group built a full-scale replica of the vault to practice in, which would become very important later on. So the day before the robbery, Noto Bartolo made a visit to the vault to make his routine deposit, and this was caught on camera, but by an inattentive guard, as Noto Bartolo was a standard merchant. He wasn't a threat. Oh, my God. There's no reason to keep a close eye on him. Right. But had the guard been watching at this time, he would have noticed Noto Bartolo quickly spray women's hairspray onto the the thermal motion sensor. (laughs) So this was one of the several household items that the group used during the heist to overcome a lot of the high-tech security. The oil from the spray insulated the sensor from detecting human heat. But since the spray was also transparent, it also meant the camera could see right through it. Right. The sensor was still sensitive to motion, obviously, 
But that was one security feature that was hopefully disabled for the time being. Jeez. So finally, the night came, Saturday, February 15th. That day was chosen because the, uh, many of the Diamond Center's merchants were Jewish. And it was more likely they would not come to work on the Sabbath day. Right. Okay. And minimizing the likelihood of them being seen by other merchants. There was also no security guard present because the vault was so secure and there was a police department uh, within that small district. They trusted the security of the vault and anyone crazy enough to do anything about it would certainly trigger an alarm. So even though you're a security guard at like the obvious biggest target for Danny Ocean you're still you're only working a nine-to-five like you're not doing nights and weekends they trusted this vault and the security throughout the entire district the, the district was very well secured that's crazy to me so they thought that they they thought that it was it was fine <sighs> boy Noto Bartolo remained in the getaway car keeping an ear on the police scanner while the other four there were four other people, a group of five. Mm. What happened to the other six of the 11? Oh, that's pretty funny. No, oh, thank you. That's pretty funny. Yes, thank you. <laughs> the other four headed out um, to uh, commence the heist. To avoid the many cameras, they picked a lock on an abandoned building next to the Diamond Center. This building shared a private garden with the Diamond Center, and that garden was not under video surveillance. And inside this garden was a balcony leading into the Diamond Center, which the group accessed via a ladder that they had hid there prior. Quick question. Why is there a garden? At a, You know what I mean? Well, I can't answer that. Maybe, okay. th- maybe this is something that's a little more common in Belgium. Okay. Like just like an employee hangout spot or something. But and this is this is like inside the secure area, this yes. garden. Okay. Now, now, you have to remember, there there are several buildings. Right. So it's not just one building with like a courtyard. Right. It's several buildings that make up this uh, three square block district. Okay. Gotcha. And and the main building uh, contains that vault. Okay. So this, this, I'm not sure what the purpose of this garden was. Jay chilling. (laughs) Um, The terrace, however, was monitored by an infrared sensor, but the group knew this and came prepared with a large handmade polyester shield <laughs> so here's here's how they did it this is this is pretty ingenious one of them hid behind the shield which blocked their heat signature as they approached the sensor you know they just walked oh up my to God. it and they placed the shield in front of the sensor just leaned it up against the wall and it just blocked the entire group oh my god then they just simply disabled the alarm on the balcony windows and went inside <laughs> So the team made their way down to the vault, two stories down. Now, as you recall, the first piece of security that they would have encountered was a camera outside the vault. Right. Well, this team handled that pretty easily. They they put a plastic bag over the camera, and it was dark as well. So it was dark. The camera couldn't see. They put a plastic black bag over the camera, covered it up. Then they turned on the lights. Oh, man. And then they went to work. As you recall, the door had a magnetic lock, Mm -hmm. which consisted of two plates. There was one plate on the wall and another one on the door. When the lock was armed, these two plates would create a magnetic field that would instantly break the moment the door was opened. 
right. to break that, that seal. So to deal with this, the team brought a small handmade aluminum slab, which they uh, attached with double-sided tape um, on one of the plates. So that, su- that suddenly created a, a magnetic field too. Then they unscrewed the plate from the wall and moved it away from the door. And this, because the aluminum slab was attached, it maintained that magnetic field and did not trigger any alarms. That is wild. Pretty ingenious. No kidding. Now, as for the combination lock, well, they already knew what the combination was because they had a camera that was capturing (laughs) it this whole time. Of course they did. So the next thing they had to overcome was that key. Mm. Now, apparently on their team was a master key forger. (laughs) who had used the hidden camera footage to carefully duplicate the vault key based on that footage alone. That's incredible. Which is amazing. However, in a bizarre act of negligence, (laughs) they found that the vault key was simply hanging in a nearby utility closet. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding you. So, they're they're too relaxed here. If I'm being perfectly honest, like you, sure we've got this great security system. You don't have a guard. You're just leaving the key laying around. Like just just scatter the diamonds in the street. What's the point? It's it's just little things, right? Oh, jeez. Just little things that seem that seem silly <laughs> in hindsight, but at the time, right? There were no problems. Mm. So they found that key, and they used that key to unlock the vault. Once the vault door was unlocked. They turned off the lights because, as you remember, inside the vault is a light sensor, mm-hmm. among some other things. Once they once they had opened the vault, they could not get inside yet because they had to get past that steel grate door next. Right. Um, now, remember, they had built a full-scale replica of the vault to practice in. Mm-hmm. And this is what they were practicing for. Inside the vault, in pitch black, they picked the lock of the internal gate, and then they reached into the ceiling and rerouted the circuits of the alarm so that they would not go off (laughs) but to be extra careful they covered the security camera with another black plastic bag put black tape over the light sensor and they put a styrofoam box over the heat sensor because despite them using the hairspray on that heat sensor earlier there was a potential for that oil to uh come off right not be as effective right as time goes on so they went ahead and put that styrofoam box over it to completely disable it and that was it now with all the security overcome they helped themselves to safe deposit box and filled duffel bags <gasps> full of loose diamonds jewels and other valuables until 5 30 a.m when they returned the way they came oh my god back to noto bartolo's car where they had made their escape and they'd actually broken into 123 of the 160 boxes in that vault. Oh, my God. So everything up to this point had been methodically precise, carefully, carefully planned. But their escape turned out to be not so much. Oh, boy. While returning to Italy, Noto Bartolo stopped to burn the gloves that the team had been using because they, yeah. they were avoiding fingerprints. Yeah, pretty, pretty standard. Got to do that. Um along with some other trash in the car they wanted to dispose of and burning. But one of the other men uh, in their team began panicking and decided to try to hide the trash in the forest to avoid being stopped for too long Uh instead of burning it. Uh They hit it. Well, (sighs) well, Mm -hmm. a local hunter found the trash and called the police when he noticed that among the envelopes 
was one saying Antwerp Diamond Center. See, this is why you don't litter, first of all. Mm-hmm. Stop littering. But then second, maybe don't cut corners. Uh, th- that's a great, it's a great example of not cutting corners on both their part and the guards. Right, yeah. Oh, boy. Mm. So um, among the trash, there was also something else that made this case even more famous, and it was the ultimate foil for Leonardo Notobartolo. A smoking gun! Almost. A smoking gun. A half-eaten salami sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) That was going to be my second guess, yeah. That sandwich provided the DNA evidence leading back to Leonardo. Oh, my God. That is true. Oh, no. Oh, geez. So police made the arrest, and he was found guilty of orchestrating the heist. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison, but released on parole in 2009. In 2013, he was arrested again for violating his parole condition of compensating his victims, which he did not even try to do. Well, how could you, honestly? I mean, you're going to find out that it was a lot of money. I would imagine so. He served his sentence until 2017. Noto Bartolo has given interviews about the heist in which he has given a lot of the information that we have today, the the information that I've shared with you, Mm -hmm. uh, came from him himself, (laughs) including the bit about the key forger who was able to make his own key. So apparently when they found the real key in the utility closet, they chose to use that so the police would not know that they were able to make their own. Right. That's very smart. It made the the theft seem less professional. Right. As you remember, they used a lot of household items to get inside, but having a a master key forger would have been a little much. Yeah, no kidding. But at the same time, like how pissed was that guy that he spent all this time studying these tapes and forging this key for no reason? I can't even imagine. Oh, now, this, that, now, now, to be fair, this is what Noto Bartolo said. Mm-hmm. It may not be true. Oh. We have no way of knowing for sure because, okay. the, the, because that, that key was never used. Right. They found the one in the utility closet. Mm. So could he be lying? I don't know. I think it's more exciting that he isn't. I mean, it seems like a silly thing to make up to be like, yeah, I hired this guy for just no reason. Didn't even need to. Just did it. It's, it's, it, it, we don't know. Yeah. But I, I, I like that. I do too. So officially, Noto Bartolo and his crew stole more than $100 million. Oh, wait. Uh, USD equivalent from that vault, most of which was never recovered. Oh. To this day, Leonardo has never given up the names of his accomplices. Whoa. Okay. And he states that they actually only stole around uh, $20 million in diamonds, and the other $80 million claimed to have been stolen was part of an insurance scam by the Diamond District. Hmm. Now, this claim has never been proven, but it's a pretty interesting. Uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I think there's. I think that's entirely possible. It's entirely possible, but then also think about it. Was what you said, one hundred and thirty-seven of the boxes that they emptied. It was one hundred and twenty-three of the one sixty. So it was a lot. So it was all but thirty-seven of. Mm-hmm. Mm, I don't know. Do you, do we really think that the other you know what I'm you know what I'm saying like if you you got the vast majority of what they have in there but you're saying no it's tough lo- to say because if 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 they were robbed and they said actually it was a lot more that was taken they could they could file insurance on it well sure I mean it, it it's 
we we don't know right. one way or another but it just adds another layer of mystery to this already fascinating story i agree and that's all i have that that is the story of the heist of the century that is absolutely wild i can see why no other heist was able to top it it was it was the it, it was uh, an amazing story of overcoming the odds and foiling technology with hairspray and <laughs> shields and plastic bags. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought you would really get a kick out of that one. And you're right. I loved that. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening and spending some time with us today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are Fantastic H Pod on both of those. That's F A N T I S T I C H P O D. Or shoot us an email at fantastichistorypod at gmail.com. So, our plan is to put these out weekly, every Tuesday, so you can tune in on Tuesday for a new episode. Thank you for listening. We'll see you then. Yeah.